When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson over the middle. Caught by Hollywood Brown. See you later. Hollywood to the house. Jackson, the spin and toss. Ingram makes a man miss. Diving. Touchdown. Russell Wilson's first pass to Metcalf. And Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens. And running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three. Jackson Jackson himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47 yard. Touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. I am Antonio Barbera. We are back two weeks after discussing the Ravens' impressive draft group of players. And now we're going to step back and look at uh, the next release, which was the schedule for the Ravens and the NFL as a whole. Talk about a nice little addition that the Ravens made, or nice depending on, on how, you, how you view it, uh, and then get into rookie camp a little bit. Some first impressions from the Ravens rookies, but first, got to introduce my co-hosts, and I'll start on the West Coast with Jace Evans. Jace, how's it going, man? Doing good, Antonio. Uh, you know, uh, as they say, r- returning to normalcy, it seems like here in the United States, which is uh, very encouraging. I got my second COVID shot today as we speak, so that's that's exciting. Uh, the last, or I believe the last of my family to get the second one. So, yeah, excited about that. We're, uh, we're moving forward. So, uh, very excited. Excited to look ahead to the NFL schedule release. Very encouraging. We might actually have semi-full stadiums this fall. Maybe even full stadiums the way things are trending. So, yeah, very excited. I think it's uh, one of the more encouraging times we've been in in uh, the last year and a half or so. And out of D.C., it's Tim Horsey. Tim, how you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling, I don't know, a little weird that, and maybe kind of like an idiot, that I got way too hyped for a schedule release. Uh... I've never <laughs> been hyped for a schedule release. I've never watched the schedule release. I still, to this day, have not watched the three-hour, four-hour, whatever the hell it is, schedule release uh, special. But, man, that schedule came out last week as we record this, and I was hyped. Like, like 
draft levels, opening night levels of Ravens game hype. So uh, I'm excited to talk about it. Hand up. The schedule release was the most excited I've been about a sporting event probably since the draft <laughs> in the two weeks that had passed. So uh, safe to say we love the NFL and the Ravens on this program. Jace, not as into uh, the early May baseball slate. Yeah, uh, well, more... we should say O's no hitter, but outside of that, no, uh, can't, uh, can't say I'm too locked in on the Orioles these days. <laughs> O's, John Means, keeping up no hits, most Oriole batters. Also no hits, but we are here to talk about the Ravens, so let's get into it. The The first story that we want to talk about, which has now happened, I want to say, about two weeks ago. I think it happened right after we uh, we recorded two weeks ago. An important addition to this team, it's yet to be seen how much of an impact he ends up having, but Alejandro Villanueva signed two years, $14 million to be the Ravens' starting right tackle. I turn to you guys. I mean, this was a gigantic need, obviously. The Ravens were never going to sign the $50, $60 million contract for a right tackle. So we're somewhere in the middle now between just getting the, a guy for the veteran minimum or a guy with the $50 million deal. How do we feel about Villanueva at the cost? What's sort of the best case, worst case scenario with him uh, on this team in the next year plus, year to two years? Well, I I think he is a good stopgap. We'll say that he's I. It's hard to view a, an over thirty-two tackle as you know a long-term solution, um, but I do think it was a solid. I've I've grown. He's grown on me. Uh, I will say the uh, I wasn't super jazzed up about the signing, but I think it's a solid move. I think uh, um, he'll be just a really solid veteran presence uh it was interesting john harbaugh actually described this as an upgrade on the offensive line uh which is intriguing his his full words uh he said uh, of villanueva he's going to play really well on the right side he'll play well on the left side if required he just adds to our offensive line he's a very good player he's a tremendous person he's a veteran he knows how to play he knows how to get himself prepared to play he's been in the trenches he's an upgrade for us and i'm really excited to have him so you know, part of that's probably just John Harbaugh hyping up his new guy, you know. But And I will say, I didn't even really think about it uh, uh, when we were initially discussing it. But the fact that Villanueva is literally a former Army Ranger does make him about the most John Harbaugh uh, player <laughs> of all time. <laughs> Certainly on the short list. And I'll say Villanueva too. I, uh, I, w- I wasn't... Um, you know, super enthused, I guess, or moved one way or the other until he dropped this little nugget uh, that uh, really made me uh, laugh. He said, when you have a balanced offense or when you run the ball, it's obviously better for the offensive line. I'm assuming it's not as fun for the wide receivers because they're not getting all the catches. They're making the TikToks and they're having fun on their social media. Sold me right there. So uh, it's just the, the NFL is just like <laughs> gossip central now. Harbaugh shots at Zeus Villanueva, shots at Juju. My, what, yeah, what is, what's so, happening? What channel is this? When, when, when he said that about the TikToks, I was like, "All right, sold." I don't care how well he plays. He might. I don't know that he's actually an upgrade, but he he sold himself in my book. So that's all that matters. <laughs> I'm I'm annoyed because Jace got all the way through his thing, and I was like. Oh, good. He's not mentioning the TikTok jab. He's not mentioning the Juju jab. This is the only the only thing I'm going to add to this conversation. And then Jace, because he is very astute and follows the Twitters and the Instagrams like we all do, 
brought it up. And uh, Jace, 1,000% right there. I was kind of like, you know what, fine. This is a necessary move. Um, it was a little annoying that uh, Leno Jr., the tackle for the Bears, got cut kind of right after that and then signed with the football team for significantly less money. And he seems to be a better player, although I don't know too much about him. But everything that you read, is like, well, the Ravens would have loved that guy for that price. <laughs> but Villanueva comes in. He's immediately taking shots at the Steelers and <laughs> says, I want to run the ball down people's throats and not throw it all the time. And I was like, welcome to Baltimore, sir. Um Look, I, I don't – it's tough to judge because they threw the ball so much, um, and we don't know how he's going to, first of all, not only translate from the left to the right, where he's going to start primarily on the right side, we don't know how he's going to be as a run blocker because we just haven't seen it that much in Pittsburgh. That being said, as a big dude up front at right tackle, so you'd like to think that he could be a bit of a mauler. He's nothing more than a stopgap, but for me – a way better option than somebody like a Tyree Phillips at this point uh, as your starting right tackle. And I think the other big thing, too, that Jace didn't get to was the versatility, I think. I mean, I, obviously Harbaugh mentioned it, uh, that he could play on the left side, too. But we don't know if Ronnie Stanley's fully healthy yet. And if we can have a guy who's a proven left tackle, veteran left tackle in this league to maybe start the season there or, you know, God forbid, if he has to play there, if, if Stanley gets hurt again it's nice having that swing tackle option because remember last year's swing tackle was DJ Fluker and all respect to DJ, the warrior 76 on Instagram, but that guy kind of stunk. Uh, so I think Villanueva is not only an upgrade, you know, I think Harbaugh's saying now that Zeus is gone, he was an upgrade over what they currently had. Not only is he that an upgrade on the right side um, there, but I think also in kind of that swing tackle department, because there's only a limited amount of roster spots. So if you can find a guy with versatility like that that can play on both sides of your offensive line, you're going to take it. So I, I'm, I was mildly convinced, and then he started taking shots at Pittsburgh, and I was like, well, this guy's a raven. Let's go. I, I love the point, Tim, about being able to play both sides. With him playing right tackle, as we look at a 32-year-old guy turning 33, in theory, going to the right side should be a downgrade in terms of slight downgrade in terms of the challenge, in terms of the responsibility. There's a reason you put your best tackle on the left side and your second best tackle on the right side. Um, So I think it's a nice sort of situation for him to just walk into where he doesn't have to have quite as many responsibilities on the left side and he can play on the right. He has not... I'm Two Pro Bowls in 2017 and 2018 has played and started in every game for the past five seasons. He's played in every game for the past six seasons. Durable. I I trust that he's going to be there for all 17 games this season, uh, you know, with the fingers crossed, um, and just a solid starter. And the Ravens' offensive line, in theory, at this point, now fully addressed, which it was not close to addressed uh, even months ago. With the last... I'm looking at the the depth chart for the whole roster now, guys. After the draft, after Villanueva, you know, adding an edge rusher for depth, I think, would be the last spot. Anything else that you guys think that the Ravens should or will address uh, over the summer, aside from trying? Trying. We haven't heard it yet uh, to get a a veteran pass rusher. Uh, I mean, just for me, just to hop on that... um... If you listen to this podcast last year, it was Antonio's pleas for Jadavion Clowney every week of the summer, every couple weeks when we did this podcast. For me, 
It's Melvin Melvin Ingram. Melvin, jeez, well, I got to get his name first, right? If I uh, if I want to bring him to the Ravens, Melvin Ingram Jr. The N and the M there are screwing me up. Get that bot guy in purple and black. That's all I want. Yeah, I, I think you guys nailed it. For me, it's pass rusher. It's really the only major question mark, I'd say. Um, just because, you know, they adra- invest a, a high draft pick in way, but he's obviously still, in many ways, a work in progress, as we discussed on our last show. Um, so, I, um, yeah, I think bringing in a veteran, maybe him, I think, uh, is Justin Houston, I believe, still floating out there as well. He's another guy. I read today the Ravens have, I believe, one uh, remaining roster spot open. So you almost wonder if they are saving it for one of these veteran pass rushers, perhaps, that's floating around there, trying to figure things out. So, um, And obviously they can make room by, you know, releasing undrafted free agents and stuff like that. But yeah, for now, one open roster spot seems like that should be earmarked for uh, uh, a pass rush position, barring some unforeseen injuries or stuff like that. All right, and with that, let's turn now to Rookie Camp, which has been going on for days, I, I think. Not, not even a week. Has it been a week? I'm not even sure. Um, and we're just going to go over a couple of quick things that we've seen, we've heard, we've liked. I have two points, and then I'm going to turn to you guys. And the first one is uh, Dalen Hayes, the linebacker out of Notre Dame, is doing exactly what he needs to do as a fifth-round draft pick, and he's showing tremendous versatility even very early in training camp rookie rookie camp um and it's just he just screams like a dude who's going to end up making this team play a bunch of positions and be on the ravens for four to five years so looking forward to seeing what hayes can do over the summer and then ben cleveland um look he's listed at 6'6 335 that's gigantic that's big on paper he looks 6'8", 435 in person, and I don't get why I'm so confused by this, because 335 is big, but it's not football huge for an offensive lineman, but when I see him walking around, nothing fits, first of all. <laughs> his like his knees are the width of a table. It's very strange. He's gigantic. I'm very excited for him to just bowl people over in the National Football League. Yes, yeah, so we have to. I want to pick up on this point real quickly because we'll take the caveat: it's rookie mini camp. Doesn't really mean that much. I spent the entirety of my weekend. I was with my parents all weekend. We were up in the mountains, hanging out, relaxing. I spent the entirety of my weekend showing them clips of Ben Cleveland talking about grilling squirrel as a kid. <laughs> uh, clips of him absolutely mauling NFL now NFL defenders and defensive linemen in the SEC, and then every time. The very, very aware social media team for the Baltimore Ravens put out a picture of not Rashad Bateman, of not Adafi Owe, but instead of Ben Cleveland, or as they're now calling him because he said he doesn't mind the name change, Ben Baltimore. God bless you, Ben Baltimore. I'm only going to refer to him as Ben Baltimore from now on. We need the jersey with Baltimore written on the back with his number. I'm getting the jersey with Baltimore on the back instead of his number. That is 100% happening. I have a friend who listens to this show all the time who currently has a Marshall Yonda jersey and says he's just going to get a Ben Baltimore jersey now at this point. I know I'm I'm putting that into his head. We didn't say exactly Baltimore, but now he has to do that. Um, It's incredible, and I love how aware the team is. And the only thing I'll say, and this is an incredibly obscure reference for those of you who've never seen this movie, but in the Horsey family, it is a classic. It is probably our favorite movie 
which is a bit ridiculous because I've watched it again afterwards and it's just it's so corny. But The Replacements with Keanu Reeves and Gene Hackman is incredible. And if you don't know, it's a story about players going on strikes. All these scrubs come in and they have three offensive linemen, Andre Jackson, Jamal Jackson, two former pros. And it was the early 2000s. I'll put it this way. Jumbo Fumiko, who is a sumo wrestler who plays right tackle. And there is a shot in that movie where they all are like crouching down to get in their stance and their faces kind of pan into the screen. And they all look like they don't fit in their helmet. Like the cheeks are squeezed in and they look menacing. And it's like, I I don't know how you put that much man into one football uniform. That's Ben Baltimore to me. (laughs) And I am so, so excited uh, for that. And honestly, I wrote a bunch of takeaways here in the rundown, but Jace, you can have them because I just want to spend more time talking about Ben Baltimore when you're Well, done. I'm glad we, we obviously, we have these notes, but I hadn't looked at them uh, either uh, before today. Uh, that was my takeaway too. My number one takeaway was he looks huge. Like we, the Ravens have obviously drafted offensive linemen in recent years, but I completely agree with you guys. He looks like so much bigger than anyone they've drafted. And in terms of the Ben Baltimore uh, jersey, uh, 66, what a solid number. Great number. Good number. Great guard Good number. number. Ben Grubbs, I believe, yeah. wore 66. It's just a great number for a guard. So really hoping, you know, he solidifies that left guard spot. Seems like it's his job to kind of lose at this point. But uh, yeah, Antonio mentioned Dalen Hayes as well. He seems to be the real kind of talking point amongst the Baltimore media people who took in, I guess it was Saturday's practice. Um, I saw several references on Twitter to how he seemed to be a standout, which, yeah, it would be a very classic Ravens draft this guy mid-round, late-round pick, and then he just, you know, your Zedarius Smith kind of fifth-rounder types, and just a solid player from big school who goes on to be productive. That would be great, and obviously if he can, if he can add anything to their pass rush, that would be a real bonus, um, uh, especially, uh, just to touch on some of the other notes, uh, Tim so kindly uh, typed out for us was, the, I guess the other guy we probably need to mention is Rashad Bateman. Uh, you know, yeah, it's it's a Ravens podcast when the first two players are the third and the fifth round pick, and that's who we want to talk. <laughs> Let's about just first. talk about the guards, not baby, the, and the pass rushers. Two Let's first go. rounders that we got, <laughs> which Absolutely is unheard of. Not. <laughs> yeah, so he he uh, everyone the the word people throw around with him is fluid. Um, and that's really exciting to see. I think he he seems to be filling that need, that guy we want, just the 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 third down, convert the chains, smooth, catch it, you know, not too nothing too fancy, just gets the job done and you know, does everything smooth. I'm very excited to see that. I uh I wasn't totally sold on number 12. You, you know, you can't uh it's hard to envision the jerseys until you see them, but seeing seeing the white 12, it really popped for me with Bateman across it. It really worked. Uh so let me let me bring this up because I had this conversation with somebody else. If you didn't know, 11, James Prochet, 12, Rashad Bateman, 13, Devin DuVernay, 14, Sammy Watkins, 15, Hollywood Brown, and 16, the other rookie from Oklahoma State, Tylen Wallace. 11 through 16 are covered. You know what that tells me? Miles Boykin is gone because <laughs> that dude is not in the teens anymore, and he's, he's got to pick up 17. 
He's got to pick up 17 or get out of town. Yeah, it, um, it's him and Mark Andrews sitting alone in the 80s and, like, Eric Tomlin. Right, but Mark Andrews <laughs> is a tight end as well. Uh, I, a couple other notes that we should mention, too. I, I, I kid, but look, I'm almost worried at this point that we're putting way too much on Ben Baltimore because I want him <laughs> to come in and be Yonda, and he's a third-round pick. Guys, like, let's remember, it's going to take a it while. It took Yonda but, a while. He um, was a third-round pick, and it took him a few years. See... But stop, stop. we got to stop comparing them. That's my exact point. Um, I think the Dalen Hayes thing is a really cool story that it worries me because, yes, he's impressed in camp, but every person, every reporter, cynically, I should say, I think every reporter, reporter wants to hype him up so in August they can write the he's actually a Ravens fan story yeah. because that came out in the draft that he loves the Ravens and he's been following them since, since he was a kid. And um, then the other things that, that popped, too, with Brandon Stevens, who was probably the most controversial pick in the third round at a SMU, apparently is definitely a safety. Uh, that He's been lining up mostly at safety there. We kind of didn't know which way he would go. And Sean Wade, who is my sneaky guy that I'm really excited for because it seems like that guy was a stud who had one bad year because he was used the wrong way, um, it seemed to impress as well. So I think, again... All you're going to get is puff pieces in, in rookie minicamp, and it's hard not to, you know, it, it's the Hollywood Brown syndrome from last year when we're like, look at him <laughs> running in, in that driveway. He looks awesome. Yeah. Um, but it is cool to see, like, oh, my God, all these guys are looking pretty good in shorts. <laughs> like, I'm, I can't wait for football. Har- Harbaugh made sure to even say, like, don't take too much away from this. It's kind of just, he was like, he even said, even for them, it's not, he, I, he said something along the lines of it's not even as much for evaluation as it is for just teaching because they only you know you have 25 guys there and you're rookies and you're kind of just like hey this is what we try to do here with the ravens i will say with stevens uh, this is very dumb but one of the things i care about the most is seeing the jerseys i don't know why but it seems like it makes it real and i like seeing the numbers and how they fit on people i love that Oway took 99 immediately after judon love it it's great love it um I, uh, and with Brandon Stevens, one thing I at least caught my eye, at least they seem to obviously believe in him cause they, you know, who knows how many numbers there are, but they gave him 21, which is a pretty, I'd say, you know, decent big number for in Ravens history, Chris McAllister, Lardarius Webb, you know, guys who wore that number for 10 years. And so to give it to this, you know, you're one of your rookies that I don't know, I, may, I fully admit I'm reading too much into that, but also I don't know. I don't think they'd give him 21 if they didn't believe in him. So uh, I was intrigued by that. <laughs> I like yeah, Jace. Is, uh, Jace is a big football guy. When he sees the guy in the jersey, then he can tell whether or not that's a real uh, that's a real Raven or not. Uh, and given 21, certainly, I find that funny with football. They're so the numbers are so limited. Obviously, for the size of the roster, nobody's getting 52. Nobody's getting 20. Even though the numbers aren't retired it's just sort of a you're not getting this number and i'm trying to remember this is like a an inverse random raven but do we do our 75s given out is ogden no, another no number i feel like i don't remember yeah, no one's worn it since he has i don't believe right so it's just these sort of like whispered retired numbers uh put them in the rafters come on like just like it, it shouldn't be an unspoken rule and I, I don't think football really retires numbers like other sports do but Hell, I'd put fifty-five in there, and I and I'd had ha- I would have half a brain to put ninety-two in as well. But again, speaking as total sucker for offense and defensive linemen, but seventy-three would go in there. Seventy-five, you know what? I'm gonna You're say this. 
This is probably a summer topic. This is a summer topic when it gets really, really slow here in the next couple of months. But the Ravens Mount Rushmore of retired numbers, uh, I think, gets bigger and bigger by, by the years that go by. We will see you in July for the Mount Rushmore of Ravens retired numbers. Um, guys, anything else from Rookie Camp before we turn to the random Raven? Uh, just a PSA that Rob Ryan and Wink Martindale are on the same defensive staff. Uh, this was just another takeaway. I was reading Jeff Zarebeck's piece in The Athletic, and it gave me a chuckle because I was like, oh, wait, I would love to be a fly on the wall. And this is a direct quote from him. said, quote, The Ravens' media rules prohibit reporters from passing along overheard sound bites from players and coaches on the field. So you'll have to take my word for this, but the interplay between Wink Martindale and inside linebackers coach Rob Ryan is going to keep reporters laughing throughout training camp. Talk about two chips off the old block. Uh, apparently, and apologies, I don't have this, uh, his name in front of me now, but the linebackers coach for the Ravens last year was reportedly, you know, a softer spoken guy, you know, obviously a good coach, and the Ravens have a lineage of great linebackers and linebacker coaches, but Rob Ryan is not that, and him and Wink Martindale together on one staff I think is going to be just, it doesn't give the fans a ton, but I think any shot that we get of those two on the sidelines next to each other is going to give me a good chuckle I, uh, throughout the season. I, I feel like I get like real stepbrothers vibes from them, like a real, yes. real Dale Doback, Brendan Huff situation. <laughs> you can call me Nighthawk. <laughs> which one of them? Which one of them would would be which oh, in that boy. scenario, Jason? Uh, I guess you have to say that Wink is Brennan because mm-hmm. he, he he was there. I guess. <laughs> Or I forget now, but maybe maybe Wink's Dale because no, they move into his, their house, right? Is that how that works? It's Dale's they move house. into Dale's okay. house, I believe. So yeah, maybe Wink's Dale. <laughs> and then... So Wink is Nighthawk, <laughs> and Rob Ryan is Dragon. That I think that's right. I think that's yeah. what we decided. Yeah, all right. Um, yeah, so it's May, guys. So listen, we have there will be more football topics to to get into as we get you know over more over the summer. Um, But that's it pretty much that we have in terms of Ravens news for this week. We'll come back and and certainly touch on more rookie information as we get it over the next couple weeks. But for now, we're going to do the random Raven and then uh, talk about the NFL schedule release. So, Tim, you are up this week, so why don't you hit us with your random Raven? All right, and I was telling the guys before the show... I apologize if maybe this guy doesn't pop to as many people as he did to me um, because I went through and I was going through his stats and stuff and I was like, oh, I thought this guy made way more of an impact than he did, but maybe not. So here we go. Clue number one. This player was part of a Ravens draft class that included Courtney Upshaw, Coleccio Semele, Bernard Pierce, and Tommy Streeter. Shout out Ryan Wormley, among others. (laughs) Clue number two. He played in Baltimore for four seasons from 2012 to 2015. His best season came in 2014 when he started six times in a defensive backfield that included Lardarius Webb, Jimmy Smith, Matt Elam, and Darian Stewart. Clue number three. He actually signed with the Ravens two more times after his final season in 2015, but he never played another game in Baltimore. Uh, He did play a total of eight games with Detroit in 2016 and San Fran in 2017. Clue number four, as I mentioned before, maybe a a personal thing, but there always seemed to be a bit of hype around this Cal Poly product. But injuries and two different PED suspensions hampered his career. 
Clue number five, during most of his time in Baltimore, he wore the same number as Chris Carr, a former random Raven, and Tavon Young, but he did switch to 27 in his final season with the Ravens. What a pull, Tim. I don't remember the name, and I'm going to spend the next half an hour trying to come up with it, but I definitely remember the player, and boy, was he just ready to turn the corner and become an all Every year. <laughs> Every year. Okay. I'm, I'm glad that wasn't just me, because I wrote that clue, and I was like... That could have just been a personal thing that I was ready for this guy to be like the slot corner for the Ravens for the next 12 years. But uh, he, had, okay. he had all the tools, Tim. He just had to yeah. put them together. He just had right. to figure it all out. I think Antonio's um, on a better track than I am because I am just uh, drawing blanks right now. <laughs> we'll see, though, if something comes uh, the, the school, Yeah, the school did it for me, but getting the name is going to be a chore. All right, uh, I will think on that. And in the meantime, <laughs> we will turn to the NFL with the schedule release. We can go through, I think we'll end up going through all the games before this uh, before this episode is up, but 17 games, a lot to take away from the Ravens' perspective. A lot of things that maybe, well, a few things we like, and then a lot of things that we don't like if, uh, if you're a Ravens fan or a Ravens player, or probably John Harbaugh. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he has a whole litany of, of complaints. Instead of... I do want to sort of, at a certain point, go through the schedule and go through the records and what wins and losses we like. But the first thing, I'm just going to throw this out here. Um, We have not done a What's Bothering Jace in a while. It's not really a a specific segment of this show. If you're a pot like a Raven purist, I would say, for the first 20 episodes, it was a dedicated segment. And, uh, And Jace did a lot of homework. He spent a lot of time working on those five minutes every episode. But... Uh, I'm going to ask this to the group, uh, just to jump in here, what's bothering uh, Pod Like a Raven with the schedule release? And whoever wants to jump in with their uh, with their biggest issue, their biggest gear that's just grinding, uh, please jump okay. in here. I, so, I will preface this, this isn't my biggest worry, but it is the thing that bothers me the most, and that is... I love waking up on a Sunday, and I'm an early riser, so I would probably wake up even on a Sunday around 7 or 8, get my coffee. I know, Jace, that's a foreign time to you. I understand that. Get my coffee, you know, and immediately I can go and turn on whatever the pregame to Sunday NFL Countdown is, because there's going to be about seven pregame shows before that. 10 a.m. hits, here's NFL Countdown. I'm getting some other stuff done. Maybe I have it on the iPad while playing some PlayStation, what have you. And then... That beautiful hour of 1 o'clock sets in, and there's a Ravens game. And I know that from 1 to 4 o'clock, the Sunday scaries are gone. And when the Ravens are over, win, loss, or draw, I still have two more football games to look forward to. And I don't, most importantly, have to spend my entire effing day worrying about the Ravens game. I don't have to worry up until 4.20 or up until 8.25, twiddling my thumbs, walking back and forth between my 550 square foot apartment door to window just thinking of all the worst scenarios that could happen for the ravens to lose to i don't know let's call them the cleveland browns whoever it is and the worst part about this schedule for me is that we have to wait until october 17th which is week six to have one o'clock at the bank, and that is against the Los Angeles Chargers. It is 8.15, it is 8.20, it is 1 o'clock away, 4.25, 8.15, three primetime games in the first five weeks before we get our sweet, beloved 1 p.m. Eastern M&T Bank game against the Chargers. So, 
just top level before we really dive into this. That is the thing that bothers me the most about this schedule. It's a double-edged sword, Tim. We're we're too entertaining for one o'clock now. We we're uh, too. The, I don't Lamar like Jackson it though. I like my fun. comfy shell. I like oh, my I comfy agree. cozy shell. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Jace. T- Tim, this is that late period Joe Flacco where there was no chance of us oh. appearing on a no, <laughs> no, <game>. no. <laughs> take it back. I don't miss that. I definitely don't miss that. Uh, no, I, my. Uh, if we're going to say what's bothering Jace, I guess, uh, it's kind of in conjunction with what Tim said. Just too many primetime games in general, and especially against the the opponents, because there's some losable games in these primetime games. Specifically, the Week 2 game they have no chance of winning against the Kansas City Chiefs is going to drive me insane. Maybe that was intense. They could obviously win, but they probably won't, because it's the Chiefs. And... It's just going to be the whole, every time the Ravens play in prime time, and especially if they lose, the whole next day on every national and even local uh, media outlet is going to be a referendum on if Lamar Jackson can win games that matter, even though this guy's like 30-8 and eight as a starter and <laughs> has the two single greatest offensive seasons in Ravens history. Um and has done nothing but lead his team to the playoffs three straight years, and he's, what, 24 years old now? Um, just every game's going to be a referendum on how good he is after the Ravens play these primetime games, and it drives me insane. But, as you said, I guess that is the trade-off to, you know, Lamar Jackson being the most electrifying player in the nfl that you know isn't named patrick mahomes if if it's not mahomes it's jackson they're a 1a 1b in terms of excitement at the qb position these days and i guess that's a small price to pay but i i'm just with tim uh, it's i i will say the one thing i do like about the schedule uh while i'm frustrated about the number of primetime games i do like that uh the ravens are done on primetime before december um, that is nice. And, um, now almost certainly that, uh, season finale against the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, will be flexed. <laughs> There's a thing called a flex game, <laughs> yeah, Jace, will... and they are, they are allowed at least one flex game. You're allowed okay. a maximum of six primetime games. So they will be flexed yeah. if they are as good as we think they're going to yeah, be. Yeah. I mean, those last two games have a real Rams. Because the Rams are probably going to be good. That's that's a flex possibility, and then yeah, the Steelers. So uh, I I I for now though, I am glad that they they mostly go back to a lot of one p.m. starts. You know, a uh, an afternoon start against the Rams, but that's at home at least. So there's some things I like about the back half of the schedule, but yeah, the 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 number of early primetime games is infuriating to me. So I, I have a, this is a small, what's bothering Jace coming from, from me, and that's just uh, your, your division teams, your division rivals, you play them twice a year, you use them as a barometer for how good you are, uh, you figure out how good they're going to be in terms of the team that you need to have a better record than to get to the postseason. The Ravens do not play an AFC North opponent until week seven. They go six straight weeks with just the most random opponents, and I'll use this as an opportunity to say a couple of those teams. It's at Raiders, home for the Chiefs, at the Lions, 
at the Broncos. If that's not the strangest opening month of Ravens football you've ever heard, I, I don't know. Then it's Colts at home, Chargers at home, and then October 24th we get the Bengals at the bank. They have a bye week, week 8. Then they, again, will not play any AFC North teams for the next month. Uh, they go home for the Vikings, at the Dolphins, at the Bears. And then there's just this gauntlet of games. And this is where, when we break down the, the wins and losses here, this is where there's going to be some question marks. And it's November 28th starts off with primetime against the Browns, uh, at Pittsburgh, at the Browns, who will have been on their bye the week before, home for the Green Bay Packers, at the Cincinnati Bengals, and then we finish up home for the L.A. Rams and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I do like that there's two home games, at least, to finish up the schedule. I do not think that that Steelers game gets flexed because I don't think the Steelers are going to be good enough for it to be flexed. Um, and that's my, yeah, a little, little bit of dirt. I'm with I'm with you, uh, Villanueva. Let's, let's all the dirt on the Steelers as we can. Um, but so that's the schedule. It just seems so unbalanced, and I'm positive it's because of that 17th game just messing up all the balance in the NFL. But it's a weird schedule. So I turn to you guys now, as, I, as I've gone through all, all 17 matchups, what are maybe some games you like? If, do you want to talk about that stretch that's terrifying, or should we just get into what are the games that are juicy on this schedule? And then as we go through them, shout out, you know, that, that's a win, that's a loss, and, and we'll get a little bit of shape here on what the Ravens' record is going to look like. The stretch, you keep talking about the stretch, and you mentioned it, and importantly, and spoiler alert, this is what's really infuriating Tim. The national narrative that the Cleveland Browns have some right to be good at any point in our life, and the fact that we have to go to Pittsburgh, who, you're right, Antonio, might not be that great, in the middle of two Browns games, and they're like, we're going to give them a bye because we dislike the Ravens so, so much and want this terrible, horrible, wretched franchise to be somewhat competent in any respect over the next decade that they are going to put them on the bye in, in between the two games with the Ravens. And guess what? Here's my prediction here. We're going to stomp them both times. It won't even matter. 2-0 and against that lousy filthy franchise that thinks they have some right to throw dirt on us for taking a franchise when they wouldn't give Art Modell a stadium and we had a drunk drive our team out of town in the middle of the night in the 80s. I can't stand this whole, oh, the Browns are loaded. The Browns are good. And and I feel like this happens every week now, but this is the point where I'm literally sweating talking into this microphone (laughs) as I say this. It... I can't sit there and watch another ESPN clip about well, this, you know, it might finally be the year the Browns have it. They have a lot of talent. That year has never happened. <laughs> that year has never happened and will never happen because they, it's, I, look, unlucky, sure. Cursed, maybe. Frankly, I don't really care because I don't see it at all with this team because they have a homeless man playing quarterback who is no good. We know Baker Mayfield is no good. He lives in a stadium, for God's sake. The guy doesn't even get any good rest. I've seen enough commercials to tell me that's his actual home, apparently. <laughs> that's the part where it's just I'm, – I'm not, like, going to be a conspiracy theorist here. Obviously, I'm, I'm, there's a little bit of levity in what I'm saying at this point. But, like, it just, it just boggles my mind that the, the schedule, whatever it is, goes through – I know Peter King wrote a gr- uh, big article on Monday as we record this of, like, how the schedule is made. I didn't read it. I don't have time for Peter King anymore. The guy kind of annoys me. But – I 
don't understand how they can look at that and be like, this is okay. Antonio, all of our road division games are in December. Like you said, it's not even just the, the division starting late, and I completely agree with you. And I mean, saying that the division starts in week seven with the Bungles is, is laughable to me because everybody knows that those games won't matter. But to all the road games coming, don't give me that face, Chase. They're, we're going to stop them. Get out of here. All those road games in the division coming behind in December, just, it's ridiculous. And I think the biggest point here, too, outside of that one brutal stretch run, and to, you know, to, to calm down a little bit and just, you know, take a breath, is that the end of this, all jokes aside, and honestly, really not, because I'm not super worried about the Browns in this moment in time, that end of, uh, end of the season run is so different from what Lamar Jackson has had as his first two years as a starting quarterback. And then, I mean, you could even say, I guess, last three, when he because he kind of took over midseason in his rookie year. It's tough. Like, think of last year. Remember, we were in a little bit of dire straits, and then it was like, well, look at the schedule. They got, like, the Giants, the Jaguars. They played the Bengals on the final day again. (laughs) And it was like, all they got to do is win out, and they're in the playoffs. And the Ravens did so, and they did convincingly, and then they, you know, stomped on the logo, yada, yada, yada. This kind of concerns me, and it puts a lot more pressure to go through, as as you rightly put it, Antonio, that random, that randomness of the beginning. And and put a lot of wins on the board early, so we're not sweating these games on the back end. I think Tim, that's what's going to be the most annoying because, um, I, I that stretch is just so brutal, especially because I don't think Aaron Rodgers is leaving the Packers. Maybe if the Packers have a different quarterback, oh, be one well. By the back. way, if he is leaving, he's going to Denver, and we play <laughs> them too. So that's great. That's true. Yeah, solid point. Solid point. Uh. But yeah, so like that stretch is just brutal, and especially to for the, like it'd be one thing if the 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 second game, the second Cleveland game was if the order was reversed, if it was like at Browns one p.m. at Steelers, then like home night game, but it's the inverse. So they're at Browns on the other side of a of of a at Steelers game. That's just brutal. Um. But I agree with you, because I, looking at the schedule, I think it's going to be kind of an annoying season for the Ravens from a national perspective to just listen to everyone go, what's wrong with the Ravens? Because they're going to make the playoffs. Every Half the conference makes the playoffs now with the way uh, they are. Seven playoff teams and only one bye. Um, and I agree with you. I, well, I, I did say I hate that Kansas City game week two. Hate it. It's my least actual least favorite game on the entire schedule. I would just rather play them at 1 p.m. and get it over with and we could all move on from our days instead of Mahomes dropping 400 yards or whatever he's going to do against them. But um, I do like, as random as it is, I really don't mind the schedule almost all the way through November until that first Cleveland game. I think they have the ability to pocket a lot of wins if they play to their potential and they're going to need to because I think they're going to get out to like an eight and one, nine and one start, something like that this year. Lose a bunch of games at the back end, have everyone be like, "Oh, what's wrong with the Ravens?" And then they'll, you know, they'll get eleven or twelve wins, but everyone will, uh, you know, just question what's wrong with them for a solid month and a half, and then you know they go out and win in playoff game or two, and everyone will forget that all about it. But 
I think it's just going to shape up to be really annoying in that regard. Just how how backloaded it is. It's going to lead to hashtag narratives and just very frustrating conversations around this team. Because they're not going 17-0, right? So there's got to be losses. And you look at the schedule, uh, and the back end of it seems like that's where the losses are going to be. Um, I guess if I wanted just to spin a one positive thing before passing off, I actually love that first game. At Raiders, christening the new stadium on Monday Night Football, That's that'll be really exciting. I mean, obviously they played in that stadium last year. Um, but it'll be a completely different experience with the actual have Raiders fans there. Whatever semblance of the black hole uh, migrates to Las Vegas, uh, it'll be really exciting. So that's a game I'm really looking forward to. I think it's a really fun way to start the year. Just quickly, Antonio, before you go, I'm going to throw this into the ether. And this is going to test one of my friends to see if he actually still listens to Pod Like a Raven. He has a bachelor party around that time. We have all pushed. We have all pushed. Now, we have looked up tickets we all, um, my friends and I, forgot that this is the first game at Allegiant Stadium <laughs> with fans. So tickets are a bit astronomical. But I'm just saying I want to be part. And if I don't get a text back here, Matt, I'm going to know. <laughs> I want to be part of Raven's Flock that's going to Vegas. Because I saw, you know, obviously, it, we were all in the text group. I know, you know, Antonio is planning to maybe go over to Vegas for week one. I've personally never been to Las Vegas. So I think it's probably the perfect time to go especially on a bachelor party with friends. I did see one guy tweet that was like, all these people that have never been to, all these dudes never been to Vegas realize trying to get into the clubs with like you and your five friends. I ain't going to no clubs. <laughs> I'm going to be spending time in the sports book, watching the opening weekend of the NFL season in Las Vegas, losing all sorts of money and then winning it all back by betting my, my house on the Ravens <laughs> in week one. So I'm very, very excited. And I hope that, I hope that there's a lot of purple in Las Vegas in week one. I hope I'm a part of it. There is a good chance that I think at least two-thirds of Random Raven, or excuse me, two-thirds of Pod Like a Raven, who knows how many Random Ravens are going to be there that weekend, but two-thirds of Pod Like a Raven will be in Vegas for that week one matchup. My, uh, Tim, my group's version of the guys trying to get into the club in Las Vegas for the first time was how many Ravens fans are going to be appalled when the bouncer does not let them in because they're wearing the purple camo long <laughs> pants, and that's not uh, in accordance with the uh, clothing policy in Las Vegas. So we will see what happens there, but I agree, that is going to be uh, just a whale of a game. The fact that they're doing uh, that first Las Vegas you know, stadium-filled game on a Monday night is going to be absolutely rocking. And, uh, and yeah, Tim, that has uh, caused the prices to be... Uh, I have you know, seen that a barrier to entry. Basically, every most expensive ticket in the NFL this season is for Vegas games. Uh, so the NFL knew what they yeah. were doing when they let the Raiders move there. Um, and it should be a party atmosphere. They're literally putting a club behind one of the end zones there. I don't know if you all saw that. So it should be the, the Death Star, as they call it. Uh, it should be quite quite the scene. All I'm saying, all I'm saying, because I know we can't just focus on Week One. We got to go to some of the other games and different points here but antonio and i live on the east coast more specifically washington dc all i'm saying is you're close bud and we could do a a pod like a raven meetup go to some casino because obviously i don't think any of us have it in our budgets to get a ticket and maybe we're lucky who knows but 
Pod Like a Raven meetup. We get to see each other in person. Everybody's fully vaxxed, 5G, you know, all that fun stuff. And we go watch the Ravens kick the crap out of the Raiders. I mean, look, the Ravens aren't losing that game. Give me whatever spread you want. It opened at five and a half. We should have taken it there because it's only going to skyrocket up. Anybody see the Raiders play defense last year? Yeah, it was terrible. And so I, ah, it's just going to be fun. I'm super excited. Um, Before we get into the other meat of the schedule, I do just want to retort on something that Jay said. We knew they had to play the Chiefs, right? I know. (laughs) They had to. It's how the schedule lined up. Just get it over in week two. We can do our little thing in September where it's like, oh, God, Mahomes threw for 500 yards again, and oh, no, Tavon Young's hurt again. How are they going to deal with the secondary? I just let it happen. And look, if the Ravens keep it close or the Ravens end up beating them, Lamar gets his first win over the Chiefs. That's great momentum going forward into the season. But I'd rather have that game, especially with the way the schedule lined out, where there's so many tough games on the back end. I'd rather have that KC game done and dusted in week two. Let all, you know, Orlovsky and all the other idiots make their cases about Lamar, about how he can't win the big one, and then we just move on with our lives. That's a good point. Because this year, more than ever, Tim, too, is just such a war of attrition. I mean, it's 18 week mm-hmm. season, uh, 17 games, literally four full months. The season kicks off September 9th. It does not end until January 9th. And then you have playoffs. It is, it is going to be a slog. Uh, so. Yeah, you're right. Get it done. Pocket the rest of your wins, and then get ready for the second half. I do like the midweek, uh, the midseason buy too. I do think that's a good buy placement for the Ravens. Yeah, Jace, you were touching on the sort of media narrative to all this, and I there's a version of this that I very much like, uh, and it's kind of it's it's most of what you described, where those first ten, eleven games, the Ravens have a really good, you know, they're 10 and 1. They're 9 and 2 through 11 games. They get all the media hype. Uh, Lamar is an MVP candidate again. Then they hit that brick wall of difficult games week 12 through 15, let's say. They lose a couple of those games. They're no longer the one seed. They lose all this media attention. They sort of become this forgotten strong team entering the playoffs. They take care of business those last two weeks, that Bengals game and that Rams game, or excuse me, the Bengals, Rams, and Steelers those last three weeks, and then just kind of coast right into the postseason with that three-game winning streak, and, uh, and, and they turn heads, and they, and they have some surprises in the postseason. So let's go through wins and losses now, guys. Um, I, th- I texted the group a few days ago when the schedule came out where I did a sprint and immediately said, 12 and 5. I, I'm going to use that as the barometer for whether you guys agree, disagree, over, under. Um, I see the Chiefs as a loss. I see the Browns as a split. The Steelers will be a split. The Packers is a tough one, and you're at four losses. And then you, they just they drop one of those other random games. Do they have the annoying Chargers game where Herbert throws for 400 yards? Do they have the like stinker Thursday night game in Miami. Uh, do they have the, the game that you don't expect against the bears? You know, they'll drop one of those other random games. Um, but that's all I see. I, and I think there's a chance that they take both of those Pittsburgh games, but I'm going to finish with 12 wins, five losses. What do you guys think looking through this schedule? 
I I am similarly there with you. I, I've done this a few times. I give them different losses for different games. I think the number I've ended up settling on the most is 11. Uh, 11 wins, 6 losses, which will take forever to get used to. But... Uh, um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean that 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 Monday or uh, that that Thursday night game against Miami kind of jumps out. Short week at Miami can be a tough place to play. Uh, early November can still kind of be hot sometimes there. Uh, short week, decent defense. You know, if Tua takes a leap, Miami could be a dangerous team in the AFC uh, this year. So that's one I think they could lose, like you said. Um, but I, I am pretty confident. Uh, I mean, the Colts are a decent team, but I love the Colts at home. You know, Ravens beat the Colts last year. I don't know that Carson Wentz is an upgrade over Phil Rivers in any way. So I love that game being at home. You know, theoretically, pretty full stadium. When the Colts come to town, that place always gets rocking when the Colts are there. Um, So I love that game at home as well. And those are the Ravens' two uh, Monday night games. Uh, And so it is nice to get those out of the way kind of early, too. Um, So you have less, you know, short weeks. Yeah. but, yeah, I mean, I like a lot of their home games. And you mentioned in Chicago, they always randomly play horribly in Chicago, but they haven't played there in a number of years. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they're just – the schedule's going to get to them. I actually am fairly confident, I think, in them winning one or both of those Steelers games. Um, but I think that – I'm with you. They almost certainly will split with the Browns because I think just Browns – Steelers Browns it's it's so hard to make that three straight wins and um I'm kind of I guess guessing they'll win the Steelers game but I think they'll go two and one at best in that stretch I'd be very impressed if they went three and oh so I think final toll I'll I'll go with 11 wins six losses I you know the Rams game could be tough late in the season too so there's a lot of tough matchups I think this is certainly the toughest Ravens schedule we've seen in quite a while um so, yeah, 11 wins, I think. And, Jace, that is a great point. The Ravens, statistically, have the second toughest strength of schedule this year after the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have the number <laughs> one strength of schedule. Obviously, that changes every year because we're basing that off of performance the year before and players the year before. But uh, the season before, the Ravens' strength of schedule was very weak. It was very low, and this year it's uh, rated as second highest. Tim, what do you think about wins and losses for this team? I don't, first of all, I don't think that means anything. The Ravens also have the second easiest schedule for running backs when it comes to like fantasy production and rush yards per game. And if I wanted to take stock in that, I would take stock in strength of schedule too. I really don't think it matters because the NFL just is in flux every year. Um, Yeah, when I originally did this, I will not lie. I thought maybe they would split with the Browns, but I can't do that now after what I said earlier today. (laughs) I'm just going to remind you 38 to 6 to open the year last year. And then Lamar Jackson legitimately had diarrhea, and they still beat the Browns on Monday Night Football 47-42. They're sweeping those A-holes. I think the losses are the Packers. If Aaron Rodgers is there, we all kind of think he is. The Chiefs, unfortunately. I say in that stretch, they beat Cleveland twice, and that's where they lose to Pittsburgh. Um, Just because they're going to lose to Pittsburgh. I don't think Pittsburgh's that good, but they're going to lose to Pittsburgh. We know how that goes. And then I I think the Rams are going to be good. Uh, I think the Rams are going to be very good. We'll see if they're, you know, they're. I'm assuming there's so many playing for something in week 17. Um, yeah, you guys both just rolled off 12, 5, 11, and 6, and I still, that just I mean, screws so my head strange. so much. Um, and then I wrote down a couple teams. So I have four losses, you know, 
automatic, well, not automatically, but kind of more certain, I guess. And then I have any combo of Miami, Indianapolis, who does worry me a bit. Um, the Chargers, I think you put there too, although the Chargers defense is not that great. They did bring in Brandon Staley, who's supposed to be some whiz kid. So, you know, that could be an issue there. You know, and then I go back and forth. I did say Miami already. I don't know why I threw this in here, but Minnesota worries me a little bit. You know, they're not the best team in the world, but you catch Dalvin Cook on a real good day. They get up early. Maybe a a mistake from Lamar. It helps that the game is at home for the Ravens, so it doesn't bother me as much. And coming off a bye, the Ravens usually stomp teams. But something to look out for because I agree. I'm looking at the schedule, and I just think, and again, this could be Ravens PTSD of they're going to let you down in some games. And, you know, when back when this show was Ravens wrap-up in college, we always talked about the trap game, and I'll never forget that freaking game against the Cardinals that they lost in week two when they were looking ahead to some other opponent. I don't know why it sticks out in my head, but for some reason, that's what drives me insane. This current this iteration of the Ravens doesn't do that as much, so maybe I shouldn't look at it. But even an at Denver... Week four, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is starting to play rather well. Or God forbid they have Aaron Rodgers at that point. And I think that Denver team, that Denver team outside of its quarterback is very good. And Vic Fangio knows how to coach defense. So maybe that's tough away from home. Tough place to play. Denver's one of the biggest tough. stadiums in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, tough place to play. They're going to be packed in there. At Chicago doesn't worry me as much. But yeah, so give me, give me, I think that they, I'm going 11 and six with Jace as well. I'm going to go Packers, Chiefs, Steelers, Rams, and then any combination of these two. And I know I'm sitting on the fence a little bit, but any combination of Miami, Indianapolis, the L.A. Chargers, Denver, or maybe Minnesota, but they're kind of on the low end there for me. The Ravens listed in uh, in the Las Vegas world, uh, as we were talking about earlier, at 11 wins. That is their over-under for this season, which uh, seems about right. Uh, I think their over-under was last year... 12 i think they had or was it 11 i think it was 11 11 and a half i feel like they didn't go over whatever vegas had said i can't remember if it was 11 and a half 12 or maybe maybe they just pushed on 11 but seems seems like they're right about on it again um a couple of breaks fall their way and they go over a couple of monsoons before they're about to start their two minute drive to try to salvage a game a couple of those and then they end up losing a few extra games we will see. It is an exciting schedule. It got us all very hyped up for Ravens football, and then we kind of remember that it's four months away, which is fine <laughs> because we will have plenty of it. Then I'll play until <laughs> September 13th. <laughs> that summer just flies by, though, Jay. So it'll it'll be fine, uh, guys. Outside of the Ravens, looking at the NFL as a whole, there are some tasty some tasty games on the schedule, and that's before obviously we know what the storylines end up being as the season goes along, but. The Bucks going to the Patriots. Everybody has that circled in Week Four with with Brady going to New England. The Browns, the Chiefs. Talk about a, a start. The Chiefs will play the Browns and the Ravens the first two weeks, which all three of those teams we were going to learn a lot about very quickly based on these on these matchups. But Browns going to Kansas City uh, for that playoff rematch is going to be a great Week One game. Uh, the Bills travel to the Chiefs in Week Five. That's another. Uh, playoff rematch of the AFC title game last season. And then the Packers, assuming that uh, Aaron Rodgers is still their quarterback, they travel to the Chiefs week nine. So there's a lot of Chiefs that I put down here as interesting games, but it's because, uh, you know, they're they're the beast in the AFC that other teams have to slay. 
uh, and there are going to be some interesting matchups in that first half of the season. Anything else that you guys circled, some games that, that you're looking forward to uh, early early as we uh, preview the schedule? I'll just go quickly, and both of them revolve around the Super Bowl champs. Um, look, I, as people know, I do have a soft spot for the Dallas Cowboys, which everybody hates, but... The Buccaneers and the Cowboys, if Dak is healthy and they're just slinging it around, that's to open the season. That's a great first Look, game. Maybe a little hype because it's the opening game. Everybody's going to be watching. You know, Get together with your friends on a Thursday. Be hungover Friday for work because it's the opening game of the <laughs> NFL season. That type of thing. That's exciting to me. And then just a note. I mean, you already put it here, but it's weird to have Brady versus the Pats circled as a Ravens fan because I'm just like, I don't like either of you. But in my heart, and as as an NFL fan, but even as a Ravens fan, I kind of really want Tom Brady to go in there and throw for seven touchdowns. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I, it's just like, he already won it, and maybe to just kind of stamp it down even more. And look, maybe I'm just saturated with Brady love that I'm just, it, I just goes right over my head now, and it doesn't affect me or bother me nearly as much. He's in Tampa Bay. I have a great time there. Bucks have some sweet colors with the red and pewter. I, I don't know what it is, but it doesn't bother me nearly as much that it's not New England anymore, a narrative that we've talked about, you know, over the last year or so. But something about that matchup, obviously everybody's going to be excited for it. I really want Tampa to go in there and beat the brakes off the Pats. I don't think they will, but I do want them to do it. That, uh, I'm, we're on the same wavelength here, uh, Tim, because that is, Definitely the game I am looking forward to, non-Ravens, the most of the NFL season. And it is so weird, so weird to be like, I want to watch a Patriots game <laughs> and a game involving Tom right, Brady. Right. But it, it's it's just too fascinating to, uh, to, 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 you know, pass up. No matter how you feel about Tom Brady, no matter how you feel about the Patriots, like, you have to watch this game. I mean, there's really, like almost no precedence in NFL history of like uh, this kind of matchup happening. Like, you know, Joe Montana played the 49ers, I guess, but I think when he did, that was in Kansas city. So like the guy who won you more Super Bowls than any franchise, uh, any player ever goes back after you let him go and he won another title. There's just like, there's it's, it's just unprecedented. It's, crazy and to your point too i i love that season opener i i think i mean it's still insane to me that the bucks won the super bowl again and that tom brady won the super bowl again and the craziest part is if he doesn't fall off a cliff like they could be sitting pretty at a real real chance to make a run at least back to the super bowl um with especially if one Aaron Rodgers is then playing in the AFC, uh, who's the best NFC team at that point? It's the Bucks. So uh, I, I, I do think like if Dax healthy, in theory, the Cowboys should be one of the better NFC teams. So I think that that, that first game to start the NFL season, I mean, it's exactly what the NFL wants, right? It's Tom Brady versus the Dallas Cowboys. It's the most popular team versus the most popular player in the NFL. And so just for that to be like uh, your your opening game, I, that's like a fantastic week one matchup, even if I'll get mad watching it. <laughs> Jace, you just, uh, I did, hadn't really thought about this for a while, but the Packers losing Rodgers if he went to an AFC team that would just further cement our complaint about every good quarterback being in the AFC it would just be another name 
to just throw on the wall of a- AFC quarterbacks. Like, I guess, like you say, Russell young Wilson, and and yeah. in their prime. <laughs> like Russell Wilson, I guess, is the best NFC quarterback. If if unless I'm Dak, like if I'm freaking well Brady. Well, yeah, Brady. Well, too. I don't know. He's gonna be 44. How good can he be? <laughs> I mean, we, we said I know that we at said 38, this at 43. Like he's 38. He How good could he be? Won the Super Bowl again, but at at some point he has to start slowing down. Uh, all right, guys. Anything else on uh, on the NFL schedule? All we have left to do here really is uh, is tackle this random Raven, which I realized I forgot to think about. So I'm going to try it one more time as Tim goes through these clues. I can even picture his face. I even remember what he looks like now, and this is bothering me. Uh, that this is what's bothering Antonio is that I cannot remember who this player is that Tim came up with. Um, so Tim, why don't you run through those clues one more time? Sure. Uh, clue number one: This player was part of a Ravens draft class that included Courtney Upshaw, Kalechia Semele, Bernard Pierce, Tommy Streeter. Shout out Ryan Wormley, <laughs> among others. Uh, clue number two: He played in Baltimore for four seasons, 2012 to 2015. His best season came in 2014 when he started six times. In a defensive backfield that included the likes of Lardarius Webb, Jimmy Smith, Matt Elam, and Darian Stewart. Clue number three. He actually signed with the Ravens two more times after his final season in Baltimore, among a bunch of other practice squad uh, destinations. But he never played another game for the Ravens. He did play a total of eight games with Detroit and San Fran in 2016 and 2017, respectively. Uh, Clue number four. I said maybe a personal thing, but Antonio remembers too, so maybe not. There was always a bit of hype around this Cal Poly product. It's always going to be the next big thing for the Ravens at corner. But injuries and two different PED suspensions hampered his career. And clue number five, during most of his time in Baltimore, he wore the same number as Chris Carr and Tavon Young. But he did switch to 27 in his final season. I'm so annoyed. <laughs> okay. So... I'm not going to count this for you because it, it might make it too obvious, but I have an obvious hint to maybe help you get the name, and I'm going to give you the last name of the guy. He has the same last name as the current quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, what I see. And I, I thought originally I was like, is it Jennings? Is that the last name? Like, that's no, that's not it. Um, oh, what the- <laughs> his, his first name is Three Letters. Oh, okay. I have it now. Uh, I mean, you yeah, well, you know, basically give it to us, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, Asa Jackson. Asa oh, Jackson goodness. is correct. Oh no, <laughs> Antonio, I think definitely had that more than me. I did not realize he was around that long. I guess <laughs> that's he was. He was a rookie on the Super yeah, Bowl I team. I guess I didn't and know he was there. Lest you, for, for lest you forget, by the way, Kalechi Assemble was a starter and a rookie on that Super Bowl offensive line. I. Which boggled my mind. I did not realize that. Asa Jackson, all the tools, all the tools. All Fast, athletic, could cover, good footwork, uh, just... and never had a single moment of note in a Ravens uniform. Yeah, but that I is just... a fantastic. That's the definition of a random Raven, Tim. So I applaud you for that one. Blown Absolutely. away by how long he was on the team. <laughs> Asa Jackson. All right, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go stew in in the corner for a few minutes. <laughs> Uh, thank you all for listening to us, as always. We will be back in uh, in two weeks to talk about, hopefully, the, the addition of Melvin Ingram uh, to this Ravens roster or some other veteran pass rusher. We will talk more about NFL news, more about the Ravens schedule, and how they're definitely going to the Super Bowl this year for 
Tim Horsey, and Jace Evans. I'm Antonio Barbera. Thanks for listening to Pod Like a Raven. We will see you in two weeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.